It's the old Doctor Who show, episode number 85, Web of Fear. Go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. You couldn't control my mind before, and you certainly can't control it now. Would you like a jerry, baby? The TARDIS, when working properly, is capable of many amazing things. Because the polarity of the neutron flow is the TARDIS will be free of the force field. Well, the TARDIS is more than a machine. It's a genetic system. It's like a person. Resulting reaction is fighting. Welcome back to the old Doctor Who show, your tri-weekly classic Doctor Who review podcast. We are back after a three-week break. Three-week break. Uh, my name is Eric. And uh, I'm Dan. And Dan, you are in Vermont. I'm in Vermont, and I'm also in your ear holes. So right. we're here to talk about the web of fear today. Yeah, we are. Eric. That's all we're talking um, we're about, recording. Right? We don't have anything else. So happy yeah. ha- Halloween has passed. Uh, I hope oh, you actually, all got that's, what you needed. Uh, that's probably wise. the biggest holiday in the Grissom household. It's pretty, pretty, we're pretty, we go all in on that Halloween thing. Yeah. It stunk too because there was a lot of wind this year uh, where I'm at. And so we have these animatronics that move and clowns that scream and some kind of uh, a nightmare harvester thing. And they all blew over because of the wind. So it was like as soon as Halloween started, it was just mangled uh, pieces of metal uh, in, a, in a sadness pile, uh, so they didn't even they didn't even get a chance to scare the kids. No, yeah, it was kind of sad. It's the thought that counts, but though. it's fine. It was a good uh, good Halloween all all around. I hope all of our listeners had a good time as well. Uh, do we have anything, or should we just jump into the? Uh, I think we should jump in. Web? Should we get caught up in the web of fear? Dan? That's the one. Do it. Okay. All right. Let's hit hey, that button. Where's the button? Beep. It's like a spider's web, isn't it? Yes. And where are the flies, all right, but where is the spider? Better give the others a hand, Corporal. Sir. Doctor, I've been thinking about what you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. About someone here in HQ being responsible for all this. Could it have been Travers? I doubt it. Well, after all, he has disappeared. Yes. So has Chorley. I'd say he was a much more likely suspect. True. On the other hand, of course, whoever is in league with the intelligence could still be amongst us here. Yes, a fact of which I am uncomfortably aware. But tell me, Doctor, this intelligence, exactly what is it? Well, I wish I could give you a precise answer. Perhaps the best way to describe it is a sort of formless, shapeless thing floating about in space like a cloud of mist only with a mind and will. What's it after? What's it want? I wish I knew. The only thing I know for sure is that it brought me here. This is Doctor Who. (laughs) Yes, it's Doctor Who in uh, Why Have I Done This? (laughs) Why have I... Why am I still doing this four years later? No, this is Doctor Who Web of Fear, Dan. That's what it is. This is the almost complete fifth story of the fifth season. A mystery I was not aware of. I did not expect uh, all of the parts not to be in attendance. Uh, It was written by... Yeah, it was written by Melvin Heisman. I hope my uh, autocorrect didn't change the person's name. I'm assuming it's Melvin Heisman and uh, Henry Lincoln. And it was dire- uh, directed by Douglas Campfield of the Camptown Campfields. Uh, we've seen Douglas uh, before in other Doctor Who stories. So what happened, Dan, in uh, this story called Web of Fear? Well, after the Doctor's doppelganger flew out the open door of the TARDIS in a very exciting scene that ended Enemy of the World, uh, the story that took place immediately prior to this one, Jamie uh, managed to close the door, thank God, and save them all. But you know what, Dan? That respite is short-lived. Because, friend, they got caught in some kind of space webbing. Space spider uh, webs that, for some reason, are also fungus. But look like webs. It's all fine. Uh, They end up landing in the London Underground, where army men, a father-daughter science team, and a trash journalist 
are doing their best to control the spread of this web-like fungus and the lumbering yetis who love them. Who's behind this dark development, Dan? Only the doctor can find out. How did you um, fare with this uh, Patrick Troughton epic adventure? Boy, I think he summed it up beautifully. I, uh, well, until you and I discuss it and you convince me otherwise, I'm pretty sure I liked it a lot. Um, there's something about, I, I, I enjoy uh, Troughton so much, and I am really enjoying the fact that we come to get to come back and see some more stories with Jamie, and this is only the second story we've gotten to do with Victoria in it, I believe, um, including the, the previous Third. one you had just mentioned. I think you keep making, Third? you keep forgetting that, because we did the Tomb of the Cybermen, where she's in it. Oh, and she was in that. And then yeah. we did the, okay, uh, right. the one we just did before. The, uh, you're right. That was, that was so, 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 so long ago, even though you just corrected me about this. It's fine, because I corrected you ago. the last time when we did <clears throat> yeah. uh, the other one. And I look forward to you <laughs> correcting me again. So, that'll but be honestly, fun. anyway, is I, Victoria actually even in this story? Doesn't matter. I mean, she's <laughs> not. Uh, well, you go. She on. made tea. She had she had to make tea, so she had a lot to do in this story. Um, but I like their their chemistry um, overall. Yeah, I like this story a lot. I enjoyed it throughout, um, and we can go through point by point why that is. But in general, the setting was was fun um there's a continuation of a story that we didn't actually get to see um so the the great intelligence we didn't see this first story that yeah the abominable snowman or whatever which that's right so several times yeah so we missed that we missed uh professor travers was in that one in the the tibetan episode um but it's nice that we get to carry that forward and see you know the reaction of a recurring character um to the doctor 40 years later um the setting, like I said, in the underground, um, the multiple types of enemies. There's the the yeti. There's the fungus. There's the unknown um, collaborator in their midst. Uh, so the s- switching of sides and, and suspicions throughout is pretty fun. Uh, we got to see the brigadier uh, for the first time, and he is the most brigadier he's ever been. So that's a lot of fun. Yeah, I just I enjoyed it the whole way through, even though there was a missing third episode that was partially reconstructed so we had the audio and some stills basically uh screen grabs but that was fine um yeah overall it was a lot of fun i thought eric what did you think of this story i liked it a lot i also agree with you i thought it was good i think coming off of the edge of destruction the previous Mm -hmm. story that we did the hartnell one i like trouton so much more than i like hartnell he's just a really good doctor and i like Jamie and uh, Troughton a lot. I think their combo works really well. I don't really like Victoria. I feel like she's just there. Like her character, she seems like a nice person. I don't mean to uh, uh, speak ill of her, but the character, there's nothing. There's like literally nothing there. She just gets caught or screams or whatever, but we've certainly seen that. Yeah. It, it works really well, I think, in as a black and white horror. Like it's very much like an old fifties monster movie. Like you have, like we're in. What is it? You're pointing. Yeah, that's. I was. I was. I just wanted. To, I just wanted to jump in because our our delay is a little bit hard here. But I just wanted to agree a thousand percent. I have a note saying that for whatever reason, the black and white of this story works to its advantage. Um, obviously, they didn't have any choice in the matter, but for us coming through and, and seeing all Doctor Who through all of space and time and coming back again and seeing the black and white for this works particularly well um, for the mood and for the um, the set design, for the creature design, all of it. The black and white really plays into it super well. I just wanted to say that. I agree yeah, I mean, with you. Keep going. <clears throat> like the, the location shooting and the fact that we're in the underground and it's very confined and claustrophobic and then they have this whole... Uh, sort of who's who's the uh, traitor kind of thing, where you have all these characters and everyone's trying, you know, trying to figure out who's who's working with the great intelligence. And I think the great intelligence is kind of an interesting concept character. We see that later on, even in New Who. Uh, that's a villain or whatever. But I like I like the mm-hmm. idea of that. There's there's stuff I don't like about this story. Uh, one is too long. There's like parts that are super hard to watch, like when they do the when they're above ground and there's like this long 
fighting scene with like shooting that just drags on for way too long and the fact that like that yeah. third episode was missing uh it was like that's just someone's telling you you only need a five i think maybe even four would have been enough than the six yeah and there are sometimes too many characters where you're like who is the who is that guy like what is that oh that's somebody i guess they're only around to do this or like i thought the um the like the the journalist character, which was uh, what was his name? I don't remember. Charlie, I think, or Chorley, or something. Chorley, it was he Chorley. was cool, yep. but then he nothing really happened with him. As there's like great lines with him, like he's listening to like their phone conversation. They're like talking to someone. You hear someone dying. You hear screaming, and he's like, "Ah, that's great stuff," or whatever. So he's like, like this this right. terrible person, and he gets uh, scolded by uh, Travers daughter who's also travers he gets scolded by travers Mm. in a thing uh in a scene that's very nice but nothing happens with him he's trying to get into the tardis at one point and they go to get him and the tardis is covered in webs and later on you see him just wandering in the underground there's nothing like right i mean a lot of these characters they don't really go anywhere they're just sort of he seemed to be there for the reveal he was there primarily for the for the misdirect of like who's actually working with the intelligence because right. he yeah, was the I strongest lo- suspect the longest time. And that's all he was there for. But, I mean, that could have just as easily been some other soldier, though that would have tipped it maybe because it ends up being one of the other soldiers. So, I mean, I guess he was fine. I guess maybe there was more social commentary yeah, there um, that we're not seeing so there's m- 50 years later. Yeah. I was going to say, maybe, just, you know, there's just more <laughs> characters, so there's more people to be like, is that the person that did it? Or, is you know, it's just... <laughs> So it wasn't wouldn't be so easy to guess. I thought the opening was a little racy, Dan. I mean, you have like the uh, Victoria, like they're all doing the thing from the last episode, and the doors open. Mm-hmm. But it's like Victoria's on the ground and her dress is hiked up, and the doctor's behind her, like moaning and groping at her. She gets groped a lot in this. Uh, every character at one point doesn't Jamie like. Yeah, great gropes yeah. her as he's so on his Tra- way out the door. So does, like, yeah. Old Man Travers. Well, and here's the thing. Old Man Travers is her dad. Like, so it's not, like, a weird thing. But there is a scene where Old Man Travers has his arm, arm around Victoria, and he's he's just constantly, like, touching her shoulder. But in real life, <laughs> the, I don't know if you were aware, that actor and Victoria, that's the fa- a father and a daughter. Oh. Yeah, no, I didn't do any research. Dad. Why would I? Um, that's great. But everybody's doing it, so she, you know that that scene was a little, 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 <laughs> a little much, I think. And then Jamie joins in, and then they're they're doing like this uh, Victoria sandwich at one point with like the doctor. <laughs> I think the doctor's in the middle of that. I think it's Victoria, the doctor, and then Jamie, and everyone's having fun because it's the TARDIS, and who gives who gives a damn? Uh, <laughs> I thought the music. I would have said the music was good. Had I not already seen the Enemy of the World, when it's the same musical piece that's an Enemy of the World is used mm. throughout this, and it's like, I guess they only had access to one uh, piece of music, which happens to be that music that's from The Shining that we talked about last time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you had really liked that. I think it, we we said something when we reviewed that story that they later start getting better, like. Original music being made for the show, but yeah, I think they were just reusing what they had there for the for the yeah, it was cost. Fine. So it was so, like okay, well, yeah, we just saw that, we just heard that. Yeah. So, well, we do have a lot of characters. I mean, not all of them were fully developed as others were, but I think one that was and that was particularly interesting was uh, Anne Travers um, playing the professor's daughter. She was awesome. Who, in her own right, is a scientist. Um, it, she was really interesting, uh, especially from – there was a conversation in the first episode. One of the soldiers says to her, like, what's a girl like you doing a job like this? And she says, when I was a little girl, I thought I'd like to be a scientist, so I became a scientist. Just like that, just like that. And she's, she's kind of a no BS, like, of course, this is what I want to do. Very much of her time, ahead of her time, um, and she just wasn't taking any anything from anyone. Uh, she was incredibly technically adept. She was able to keep up with the doctor when they're trying to reprogram the control sphere. Um, you know, the doctor compliments our, her on her 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 work and her insight into how to make all this work. She's just an incredibly uh, well realized character, and she does all that wear, while wearing a micro mini skirt. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah, it's the it's the sixties. No, she was, she was. But great. so I really enjoyed her. She was really she was really interesting. Um, a lot of quips, a lot of um, facial expressions, like eye rolls and that sort of thing that felt uh, very contemporary. Um, but yeah, so that was that was interesting. Some of the other ones obviously were not nearly as well developed. Like you said, the the journalist Chorley was there just to kind of be a creep and then be that misdirect. Um, yeah, but he was the driver. I mean, I liked Evans, him. Who was I, kind of interesting. I liked him, and Evans, the driver. Now, I don't, I don't know a lot about the UK, um, but this feels <clears> racist. <throat> is this like is this a completely racist thing against Scottish people? Like his character. I don't know if this is a thing, uh, but it felt like I was like that's probably racist against Scottish people, right? I mean, the way that they portray him, maybe and his his he's a complete coward. And and like the, he acts like a complete idiot too, so I'm just gonna say I think yeah. I, feel, I feel like something's going on here. So if you're we have a lot of uh, listeners obviously overseas, so was this was this racist? It feels like if you were to do a show in the states and you'd have like a southern uh, Cletus character like on uh, The Simpsons, the slack jawed yokel, right. like it's like it feels like it's that. I don't know. I don't know. You tell me. I I can see that. Um, although there was something, it kept sticking out to me. Um, they kept making reference to calling people a, a Welsh imbecile. Oh, so wait, Evans is Welsh. He's not Scottish. He's Welsh, and he okay. was calling. Well, uh, it's, yeah, the, it's, ra- it's the, uh, racist. The doctor the calls Welsh, him. So. Yes, the doctor. The doctor calls him a blithering Welsh imbecile. <laughs> Which <laughs> like it comes up a couple of times like yeah. it just that's that, that jumped out at me. Um, so yeah, I don't think it would have been Scottish because of because we have uh, Jamie and right. Yeah. Uh, Victoria. You know the Scottish people because um, they're wearing kilts. Yeah, that's that's funny. right. Right. So you're racist for calling. Yeah, I guess I am. I'm racist for identifying it. Look at me. This whole thing <laughs> turned on us. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, T- took you down. Let's talk a little bit about Travers. Uh, Travers Senior. Okay. So yes. is the, are they American? Is that an American <clears throat> accent that Travers is doing? It didn't strike me as being American. Okay. I, I, if it was, it wasn't good. English. I don't know if he was intending it to be. Did they say something about this? I don't know. I, was, I have in my notes, like, what accent is he doing? Like, what is that supposed to be, Travers? Uh, but in the opening, when we first oh, see no, Travers, I think, right? I think... I think uh, they say in the beginning that Anne had been in America and she came back, but I don't but his think accent either sound of them English are either. supposed to be American. No, I don't think it's there. I, I think I the don't accent know what is just, it's just some... it didn't strike me as being anything interesting there, but okay. uh, in terms of where it's supposed to be from, so but he, they do make reference to yeah, Anne having he, gone He's to in the beginning we see him and I think the first time you see him, he's looking at a Yeti that they have, right? They have like a Yeti that they find in... Where did they find it? The Himalayas or some, somewhere they got this, the case, and it's not active. And there's another right. guy, and they're bickering back and forth. And for a second, it almost looks like he is uh, dressed up uh, like Orson Welles. And the other guy is yeah. like dressed up like Martin Scorsese, and they're arguing over whether or not a Marvel movie is a movie. So like there's that scene, but like who is the who is the other guy? Because he disappears, right? Like you don't see him anymore, the guy he's arguing with. It's only like in the first episode. I don't know if he's like a where this guy's from. Right? Are they in a museum or something? I can't even remember, but I remember, you know, then a Travers eventually what? fixes the phantasm ball that at one point I was just hoping was gonna drill into someone's head. And activates the Yeti and the Yeti leaves. But I don't think we see that other guy that he oh. was arguing with again. Do we? Right. You know, I – no, you're right. I'm sorry. You're they, – they, it takes place in a museum in the very, very beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And He's I like the curator of the museum I completely forgot about that. That's right. Over the course of this entire story, we spend almost the entire story either in the TARDIS in the very first scene or in the underground in various locations. And I completely forgot we were anywhere else um, – in this story at all. So, yeah, you're, you're right. That, that does happen, and that's, that's why we don't actually end up seeing him later. But there's, there's uh, Julius Silverstein um, that he, he is arguing with in the beginning. So, yeah, you're right. But then we don't. We don't see them again because they then go to the underground to help out with the, uh, the webs and the fears. Right, where most of the six-part thing takes place. But so, And for yeah. people that have watched Doctor Who before, 
the you know, who watched <laughs> the three it, of you that have seen it. <laughs> no right so people who didn't just all of a sudden just get thrown out of a van and they're like where where the hell have you know uh, they would have known this character, right? Although it's a 40-year difference. So I'm assuming it's the same right. actor that played Travers in whenever the Abominable Snowman episode was. So he's got all yep. the beard and stuff, so maybe it was him without the beard in that storyline. I didn't look it up either. But it's the, obviously they know him, but do you know if it's the same actor or is it just someone else playing Travers? Because it's a 40-year, it it's a is, pretty big time difference. Yeah, it is the same actor. It is uh, Jack Watling is doing it, uh, both in this story. Look, making sure I'm checking this right. Uh, uh, Professor Travers. Yes, Jack Watling did it both in this story and in um, uh, The Abominable Snowman. So how old is he supposed to be? I mean, he's the the actor <clears throat> is the the father of victoria so he's probably right. in his 40s right as an actor eh, is he supposed to be playing maybe. an 80 year old in this story yeah i do think that he's supposed to be significantly old because he makes he's, reference he's to got some ma- his like hands old not manny work- thing old manny makeup yeah. stuff working but it that's doesn't, right it doesn't seem that old he's a little bit over the top too in the beginning he's a little yeah. bit like yeah, I, I chewing that scenery a bit which is funny to say that because – and I agree. I think he was a little bit over the top in the beginning. But that's even – that's the most um, normal his character is through the rest of the story. Later on, he gets taken over by the intelligence. He gets possessed. And he's not as he's, – he's much more subtle in his characterization there than he is in the beginning of this. Um, but yeah, so it, I, liked, I liked the idea that we see – even though we didn't get to see the Abominable Snowman yet um, – that this character – comes back again and has that moment for him it's been 40 years since he's seen uh the three of them the dr jamie and victoria um but for those three presumably it's only been yeah maybe a a matter of months who knows i mean yeah right because it was it was uh episode 38 that they saw each other previously so it is it is fun because i don't know in this this far into the the show if we've really seen that before this might be the most i think it's the first time we've seen that um, chronologically in the story, that you get to revisit a character from a previous story He's who much older. Yeah, exactly. Has that disconnect in time in the timelines. Yeah, I can't remember fun. if we have. We may have. I just it's not coming to me. Yeah, uh, it takes. I thought cool, it when okay. So the doctor, while this is going on, so while this guy is reactivating the phantasm ball, and the Yeti's yep. taking off, and all the business is happening in the underground, the doctor, meanwhile, and his crew are trapped in the fungus. And then they decide that, hey, we're going to land on Earth, right? So they land right. on Earth, and then they end well, up in the underground. And it yeah, takes they, the they, doctor... They get trapped. Well, I was going to say, it takes the doctor to way too long to figure out where they are, though, don't you think? Like, they're looking around at what's clearly the London Underground, complete with sign that says underground. And there's, they're still looking, and then the doctor's like, "Oh, you know what? This is this is the it's a subway, right?" I yeah. felt like the time it took for the doctor to come to that conclusion, having been on Earth for so <laughs> many stories previous, he should have like immediately known what it was. Yeah, that didn't that didn't strike me uh, that it took him very long. What I did appreciate though was the line they had. So, like you said, they were kind of trapped in space, and they'd kind of do. Uh, last ditch maneuver to get out of the web and land wherever they can, and they materialize and they get out and figure out where they are. And the doctor says, "Funny, isn't it? How we keep landing on your Earth?" I just thought it was a really nice line to be like, "Yeah, we just we just keep right. this is this is what we can afford to do is keep using your Earth over and over again." And it's actually, I would I guess uh, if my math is right, it's um, ten years into the it's it's in the seventies. This would be the mid seventies or so. Um, this is the abominable snow in the story. Yeah, abominable snowman is 1935 and uh Travers says it's been 40 years so it'd be 75 assuming he was you know roughly accurate so it's it's about 10 years into the future from when the story was recorded not that it plays any role in the story at all you don't really there's no no technology is different or anything like that it just i think it's interesting and, at least they they set it a little bit further into the future than the than the audience is right yeah i think it's i didn't say it in the beginning but it's 68 that this came out um, yeah. So yeah, it's not a that few much years for. Uh, so that would have been the sixties, sixty. You said seventies. So 
Yeah, I mean, it would have been somewhere it, around it's there, like 35, the, 40 the, years um, later. I'm trying to do the math in my head. It's the 30s that the Abominable Snowman took place? It was 1935. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, not, not, a big, not a big point. It was just interesting that that happened. And then, um, uh, after all that happens, we get to episode three, right? I mean, I think some other things happened. But I don't know about you. Did not know three was missing. Uh, I, I knew that drinking, there was... And <laughs> oh, I was no. like, oh, my God, I'm <laughs> blacking out. Because <laughs> did it start like normal and then start pausing? I was like, is my is the uh, app dying? Like it, it took like you know all of thirty seconds, but it was like, oh, here goes the brain. Here's the I smell a toast, <laughs> and it's finally over. Yeah, it and does. This is how I'm going out. Well, I think that's fitting. Uh, uh, it's a little early for a murder suicide, but I'll take it. Um, yeah, no, it does. It does start off because it shows like the the. Yeah, one minute of the previous episode and le- leads into it, and then it starts getting off topic. I had read that this one had been missing, um, but I uh, I didn't know that it wasn't entirely uh, reconstructed. You know, there's so many of these stories where they'll find a random tape in uh, you know a TV station in Africa or something like that, and be able to restore these. Um, right, I had just assumed because they were all on. Yeah, I had assumed because they were all in. On BritBox, the ones that are missing actually you know, denote that in the title that they're missing. I thought that they were all found again until we saw that this was a, a reconstruction. But right. yeah, that was I, I had no. I thought it was fine. Um, I, I hated it, it, and I hope we never do another story that has because I <laughs> at, at a point I don't prefer it. Yeah, I couldn't even follow most of episode three. So if there's probably a big part that happened in episode three, then I'm sure that I missed. Um, but sticking with, like, the missing things, like, so, uh, for, for a little history, up until October of 2013, all five parts were missing. I think they had the first part, and, and uh, two through six were missing. Then I read something interesting. So they show up in Nigeria, and supposedly all of them show up in Nigeria, including episode number three. And then somehow okay. between the announcement of the discovery and the delivery back to the BBC, three goes missing. Now, this seems likely Whoa. that they just miss. They thought they had three and they didn't. Then someone's stealing three. But it's weird because it also is the brigadier, or in this, he's only a colonel uh, at this point. But it's his first appearance, yeah. and it, that's the one that's missing is kind of a bummer. I think it's a QAnon uh, conspiracy. Yeah. So possible. We'll set the message boards and we'll figure it out. I, speaking of missing things, uh, I think what was another thing that's kind of interesting about this is. Episode two is entirely without the doctor. Yeah. He's not there the entire time. Which is, is, he actually just took some time off. Much needed time off. This guy just works. Um, But everyone splits up as they're going their different directions and try to, you know, solve what's going on here. But we just lose the doctor for an entire story, which was kind of, kind of fun. Yeah. Or, yeah, kind of an entire episode. The one Um, part of that I didn't like, though, um, is. He meets the brigadier off screen. Like, so, like, epi- so he's gone for episode two, and then episode three, unless it's just I didn't see it. Um, but I'm no, pretty sure, right. like, you see, like, when the doctor and the, and the brigadier, I keep calling him the brigadier. I'm going to keep calling him the brigadier. He's a it's colonel. The brig. It's fine. He's not it's a brigadier it. yet, but he comes in. I think he's like, oh, I ran into this guy. And all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, he's in charge of the army thing. Yeah. Uh, but it's like so that wasn't we don't even see how they met or anything. It's just they just come in and he's introducing a character that he met that nobody saw. I thought that was just a little right. strange that they they did. Yeah, I don't know that I don't know that we meet off visually screen. missed anything really. I think it, I think you're right. It was just no. I just mean as far as like the story, camera. like why is that? He's he he becomes right. such a big part of the next four episodes. Like it was weird for them to meet off off screen. But again, he was on vacation, right. so like he didn't. I guess he was like, "You're getting what you're getting." I I kind of like it in that you have both uh, Leftwood Stewart and the driver Evans are introduced around the same time. Um, Evans is kind of singing a song through the tunnels, but they presumably came together uh, because Evans was driving him. But no one seems to really remember Evans. Like uh, whenever they. Evans and uh, Stewart meet up again, and Evans says, I was your driver, and Stewart's like, uh, <laughs> sure. Um, it, it's kind of nice because it plays into that. I mean, there was a time there where I thought that Evans was the one that was working with the 
the great intelligence. So I think that it, it kind of works with that paranoia uh, that they're trying to build around this, you know, claustrophobic, um, getting caught in by all sides by the, uh, right. the by the fungus. And I thought it worked pretty well that you don't necessarily see how they all kind of came together. But um, I kind of knew it was it just Arnold lends the whole itself time. to. I don't mean to brag, but it seemed. Like I mean, hard. you're significantly smarter than me, so yeah, that, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but, um, so, yeah, the, the Evans thing, speaks, you know, sticking with him, I did like the whole driver aspect that every time he was given a gun or told what to do, he was like, I just, you know, motioning with his hands, like, I'm just the driver, <laughs> like, I don't know what to, what to do. Um, but so then we jump into episode four, right? So episode three, the slideshow well, experience. Episode four was the one I mentioned, well, which episode, I didn't like, which was the long. There's, I mean, there's some important things that do happen in uh, episode three, though. What happens? Um, well, so this is this is when the journalist is trying to find a way out, and they think that he's gotten to the TARDIS, or right. he's going to get to the TARDIS before they can get there. So this is what really sets up the journalist as being the uh, main suspect. Yeah, because Victoria, I believe, tells him. Yeah, they're talking, and then he uses that to try to get away and she gets yelled at for, for she gets yelled at which i i had as a note yeah the doctor really gets gets mad at her for talking about the uh about the the tardis um and then finally jamie comes back and this is the first story since since episode one that all three of the them are the the two companions of the doctor are back together back again together. so we do have a, a full episode two not just the doctor being separated but everyone kind of going their separate directions and we follow different characters around um which is kind of cool we don't for something for a story that takes place all in a confined space uh being the london underground it's still happening in a large confined space it's they're still getting closed in on all sides and there is that threat from the fungus and the and the the yeti but uh it's not so much like a one room bottle episode where everyone's kind of stuck together they're trapped and yet split up yeah, so they, i thought they that keep getting pretty well up, which is which works yeah. well but sticking with that okay so then okay. she gets yelled at right and then they go yep. to find uh, the journalist. Yes. And it goes nowhere, right? They get to the TARDIS, and the TARDIS is covered in webs, and they don't find him. And that's mm-hmm. it. That's where it ends. So it was like, it was all that for what? what was yeah, I mean, episode four is the one that has a lot of the uh, fighting se- yes, sequences. Yes, where Brig- the Brigadier which- abandons all of his men, too. Like, he's, like, up they- there with the guy, right? And they're, like, They all died. Top, and then he gets pulled yeah. down, and the Brigadier just splits. He doesn't even try to intervene or to shoot at the right. Yeti or draw him. He's just like, yeah, that guy's gone. That man's gone. Which is kind of crazy. The thing that bothered me about all that, yes, it does go on for quite a while. But they say in a previous episode that the yeti are invulnerable to the bullets unless you get them right between the eyes and yet when we have all of the the military fighting the yeti they're just blindly shooting at them in the abdomen like i think one shot goes and shoots a a yeti in the eye so besides the grenades blowing them up or the rocket launcher which that the the guy that was aiming that rocket launcher is horrible he missed a yeti from 10 feet away real bad but other than that they just kept i mean the the brig should run because he just kept trying to shoot the Yeti in the stomach with a, with a pistol. Like that wasn't going to do anything, but I thought, I mean, given that there was, there was all of that maybe excessive amount of, uh, battle sequences, especially since they really came to nothing. It was a pretty effective, uh, zombie movie sort of setup with the Yeti kind of lumbering around and everyone trying to hide and take cover and, you know, hiding. It did feel like, um, a recreation of a zombie movie and i think i think it was no, pretty it was cool. effective and it was maybe it just that, like, went on too long yeah everybody gets killed and the brigadier's literally the last person left so it like is a survival horror kind of yeah. vibe going and and the way that the director shot it like with some of the low angle shots of the the tight walls and then the the yetis coming at you and everything was was well uh well, i agree with that there was there were there were a lot of uh the cinematography and camera work in this, um, even some of the editing and just dissolves from one angle to another that we don't typically see in this era. And I thought it worked particularly well. So I don't there was re- a lot going for it in this. Yeah, I don't really understand the relationship between the worm and the spice. No, between the Yeti <laughs> and the... I clearly understand the relationship between the worm and the spice. The worm is the spice. The spice is the worm. Uh, between the Yeti and the uh, webbing. 
right? So the fungus is okay. like let's do it. It's constantly growing, and it breaks through the walls at one point. I think in episode four or five or something. Yeah. Of where the one you know, uh, I think it's uh, Evans is there, and I don't remember who he's with, mm-hmm. but they like oh I think it's Evans, and then that's when Arnold comes back, and it, the whole right. wall gets in, in the the. The webbing is spreading, but it's is the great intelligence controlling the fungus because the great intelligence is controlling the uh, yeti, right via yes. these uh, phantasm balls. But how does yep. the clearly? I guess the great intelligence is controlling the fungus because he traps the TARDIS there, and that's his part of his whole plan is to drain the Doctor. So yes, but but to what end is any of the the webbing? Is it just supposed well, to kill people? And it, it, he already has the Yeti. He also, I don't know. I didn't quite yeah. get the connection between the two of them. Yeah, I, I want to talk through this too because I didn't quite understand how they are related. So there's, there's basically three bad guys. There's, there's the great intelligence that controls the other two, but there's the great intelligence, there's the Yeti, and then there's the fungus. And yeah. the Yeti are, they have those, those, uh, clear guns that shoot this fog that turns into webbing i guess which is also the fungus i yeah, don't know that's how they dis- like, for, disable in, the bombs right at one point when the bomb in the first store the yep tunnels. that's right they do that a couple of times they they either web up people and kill them or they web up like the explosives or the um there's a crate of ammunition that they they web up and then when it explodes it contains it so it looked the same is that also are they fungus guns Maybe, is that what it's maybe. doing? But it seems I don't like know. the fungus exists without Separately. the Yeti, too, right? Like, yes. you don't need... The yes. Yeti aren't rushing through when the walls come down. Right. I don't know. But another question, too, is, like, in the Abominable Snowman episode, was the fungus in that, or is the fungus unique to Web of Fear? And the I idols, think it's like, the so fungus. there's the tiki idols from uh, mm-hmm. Brady Bunch that make an appearance in this that are trackers. Would mm-hmm. the audience know those from the previous story? Like you would see, oh, okay, I know exactly what those are. Because they sort of get thrown in, and people are just putting them in each other's pockets without anyone knowing. Like the Brigger is walking around with the Tiki Idol in his pocket. And the Doctor's like, oh, you idiot, you got it. Now they're going to come here. But, right. like, how do those – those are – you know, the Yetis are just these dumb casings that are being controlled by the silver balls that the the – great uh, supreme intelligence so is he it's an it's an entity that doesn't exist so is it seeing where these idols are and then telling the yetis to go there or the yetis themselves attracted to the idol right i mean i don't know know. necessarily how 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 it works it feels like they are tracking homing devices like i don't know the great intelligence is steering them towards them or i think they kind of work on their own and the yeti are attracted to them Uh, from what i'm reading here Victoria recognized the model Yeti that Anne showed her um, since she saw it in Tibet, is what they say. So I, having not seen that story, it seems like that must have figured into um, how the Abominable Snowman worked. Um, the story worked, that is, uh, right. with the Yeti, the control spheres, uh, etc. Um, so for us, I mean, I wonder, since we haven't seen that story, I wonder if we had... Would this story? How would this story feel different to us? Would it feel like, oh, we've already seen all this? It's kind of a retread. Why are we seeing the same stuff again with the Yeti and and all of the things that go along with that, and even you know, great intelligence, all of that? Or because we didn't, or would it actually provide more context and make this story feel richer because we're kind of continuing the same? But to me, Maybe. it feels like a lot of. It feels like the former that it'd be a lot of retread. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of glad that we didn't see that other than, you know, not getting to see how all this was set up initially. I think we get right. the gist of it through their retelling of it. Yeah, um, and I think ultimately it doesn't it doesn't matter whether it doesn't matter. See it, no. but, uh, um the the 20 minute time frame, did it feel weird to you that the doctor is given 20 minutes to comply with the great intelligence and yet that 20 minutes lasts like 3 episodes of the show? That is like right. 60 minutes. So it's like they keep talking about this 20 minutes. So at some point, the great intelligence, and I think this is when the great intelligence is talking to them through Travers Sr., right? And he gives yes. them, he gives the doctor, he basically, what is the deal, right? He's got to, the doctor's got to surrender himself. Yes, so that he can, get so that he can be mind Otherwise, he's, you know, he's going to use uh, 
Victoria and Jamie. And but he's got twenty yes. minutes to make the decision, right? Or there's right. a twenty minute window right. and it just keeps going forever, right? And they're they're yeah, it was... at that point they, they, they figure out how to do a voice activated Alexa uh, thing for <laughs> I had the same note <laughs> for the fan, for the phantasm balls or just control the phantasm yeah. balls. That scene also yeah. goes on, like you watch them build it and then drive it and go back and forward. And like it takes a long, uh, long time. Um, Except... But yeah, I just thought it was weird that twenty minutes is like eh, it's like not even real time. It's slower than real time. Yeah, this twenty minutes thing. Well, so when they say the twenty minutes, it's just very, very much in the beginning of that that episode and i was like oh 20 minutes that's the length of the episode they're just doing it to try to you know lead us to the end for the next cliffhanger but you're right no it just yeah, extends keep, over the next story talking, it just keeps going about the next episode but what i liked though is maybe it was a little bit long uh with ann travers and the, or the oh. doctor sorry um working on it's an open mic it's not not his fault <laughs> okay yeah. so what was i saying oh so maybe this scene with uh ann travers and the doctor was a little bit long but like i said before that does give Anne, Anne's character much more credence in the story. Yeah, that and she's, 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 she's the one that awesome. does all of it. She's the one that does yeah, she, puts all the things together. She's really good. And so I, they, I, have, I they have a control box that they're constructing. This is a new thing. They have a control box that will control the spheres, but only from very, very, very close range. Yeah, you got to get very close. So they create the box that controls a sphere that they've modified this one sphere so that they can take that and swap it out in a Yeti and control one Yeti. To do voice control. To and voice that control. has a great range. Uh, the voice Apparently. control range is, is perfect. The stop, on the, uh, an enemy one is, is up close. Yes. Weird. But with, with speak, speaking with her, one thing I did really like about her, too, at one point, they're going out to find the Yeti to pop this phantasm ball into. Mm-hmm. And he's like, stay here. And she's like, no. And he's like, yeah, it's dangerous. He's like, just shut up. And then they just go. Like, he just he just sort of, you know, she's she's not putting up with any nonsense. Yeah. She was great. I would, like, her. she would have been a good uh, companion, I think, going forward. I would have liked to have seen her and the Doctor in more adventures. Yeah. Maybe replacing Victoria, uh, I, would, I would guess. But, yeah. Yeah, poor Victoria. Uh, poor Victoria. So little to do. Um... So I guess so. I, we we find out the whole the whole plot is that the the great intelligence lured the doctor, uh, well, kind of trapped him and brought him to Earth so that he could then take over his mind. Um, so we don't know this, but the doctor you know has his hands you know gets the helmet that's going to do the brain suck on him. But he it's, it's like flips. a Superman two scenario, yeah, where yeah. he's going to be safe in here, and then outside they're going to get drained. They're going to get screwed. Um, so yeah, he flips it, but then ends up getting saved. So otherwise, the doctor would have drained the great intelligence <laughs> that, that into his scene own is brain. Funny too, because Jamie is just yelling "kaka like and getting the Yetis <laughs> to fight the Yetis, and yes. he's just yelling at them, "You idiots, stop, stop!" And they pay no attention to him, and they just yeah. break his little pyramid of, of of destruction. And he's so like he's like having like a little temper tantrum, Troughton. He's like. Oh, you you know, and it's so not obvious why. Like we we don't know exactly. We saw that he was fiddling with the helmet, but we didn't really know what his plan was. But it was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, they had this whole reverso that didn't work out. Right, and how frustrated he gets because he can't just say, "I'm dra- I'm going to drain the great intelligence." Now, while that all is happening, we you don't you know the great intelligence just is sort of hanging out. I mean, he's not doing anything but having his little minions get killed, and then once they break the pyramid then he loses connection with everything on earth but i guess was the pyramid the thing that he was connecting right. to the to the webbing because the webbing is still kind of all over the place right so we don't we missed that part in the abominable snowman that the pyramid is somehow part of his control device over maybe the i don't know yeah so because they tried in the beginning everyone? they they have there's the smaller pyramid they recognize they blow that up then there's the huge pyramid that's going to be where the doctor gets his brain drained. So there's that. So, yeah, it's I mean, fine. I guess there's there's all this fungus. It's weird because it either takes place, this story either takes place at the time that it airs or slightly into the future, like I said. I think it's probably maybe a couple of years. But it's not as though they go back and clean everything up. Like, they didn't get no, rid of the fungus. Like, all of London got wiped out by fungus. And this is not a thing that gets... It's not like yeah, it's oh, gonna be, we're going to go back be and very hard to get it. to work. 
Yeah, it was weird. Um, that was no, but that's that like way. a they always do that. Like that's like a Doctor Who thing. Like everything is a just people are murdered. There's dead pe- bodies everywhere, and then they just smile and get in the TARDIS and leave at the end of it. Well, that's true. I, sort of similar. There's the the very first thing that happens in this story is you know continuing on the story from uh, you know Salamander, the doppelganger, the Doctor gets blown out the TARDIS, and when they close the doors, there's no concern. Like. Obviously, he was a horrible villain that wanted to enslave humanity. Um, but the, the guy's just like, the doctor said he's floating through space and time. It sounds horrible. And it's just like, yep, yeah, all right, that happened. There's absolutely no compassion, which we would kind of see in later doctors, that even though this was a bad person who needed to be dealt with, like murdering them in such a horrific way would probably weigh on them a little bit more than they did on this doctor. It, it struck me from the the very first scene, like, oh, this is this is a little different than we're used to. All right, you know what? One thing we probably haven't really talked about though is the mystery part of who's working with the great intelligence. The Staff Sergeant Arnold ends up being the person, right? But aside from like sort of opening a door and letting a Yeti in, like what else? What else does he do? That's bad. I mean. It's it's weird because like he's part he's in the base when the fungus breaks down the wall, but he's controlled by the great intelligence. But he's not really acting like he is. He's sort of helping out whoever he's with and saying, "Oh, get out of here! You can't go in this room." But the whole time he's an, an agent of the great intelligence, so it just yeah. felt a little off character. So, was for he? Him I'm sorry. To have been. Was he always working with the Great Intelligence, or he dies? Arnold gets what well, we we think he like gets webbed up right. and dies. Well, yeah, and then you see him all beat up with the Travers Senior. Right. Travers right. Senior and Victoria get captured at one point. So Travers is right. possessed by the Great Intelligence. Then he leaves with his all these uh, Yeti, and then they capture Victoria, and then the Great Intelligence leaves Travers because I guess the Great Intelligence could just enter and leave people at will. Right, right, I guess. I guess. And then all of a sudden, the Travers is is Travers again, Travers Senior, and he's with Victoria. And then all of a sudden, like on the right side of the screen, you see like a beat up Arnold who survived that mm-hmm. war fight. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, "Oh, hey, go back and go tell him, tell tell others our story." And then he right. he goes back. But I feel like at that point, he is the great intelligence. Yeah, he is yeah. working right. with. Uh, working with them, but like it just was like, and I guess they couldn't have played their hand because if he acted like it, wouldn't you wouldn't have had it reveal? But it's like, well, my... what was the real gain of of have, controlling him because he didn't really do anything? Like I don't know, felt Except like kind of being infiltrating there and and was around everyone as they were trying to figure everything out, so he was able to listen in. I guess. So, but, but he's like but hanging question... out though. Like what I'm saying, like the doctor goes and leaves, and he yeah. and the doctor's like stay, and he's like okay. But if he was really the great intelligence trying to get the doctor, wouldn't he be like following Go with the doctor yeah. or sabotaging something that the doctor? I don't know. That feels right. It was like a I guess my question was like before uh, Arnold is is you know, webbed up and and murdered and then taken over by the Great Intelligence. The Great Intelligence was just free floating. Like, I don't know. You're just kinda of there. I don't I don't know how that works and I guess it doesn't really matter. But that's that was just uh And if the if the Great Intelligence could just jump into anybody's body, why do they even why does why does he need or she need Yetis at all? Like right. instead of I guess because they're strong, but you may have more luck if you just took over people in a civilization than introduced these monsters. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just yeah. take over the president or the whoever. Everything's fine. It's fine. You're gonna. I don't know. I guess I don't know it. how it works. Like I don't yeah. know how Travers got possessed. Yeah. Is it just a? I decide I'm going to possess someone, or did he get in contact, or does the Yeti do something, or you look in the Yeti's eyes and? There's a flashing light, and now you're controlled. Like, was that in episode three that I, I missed because I was fast forwarding through some of it? I, I just <laughs> no, I, I don't think it was these, clear at all. So this PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, I'll say um, this. I will say this. If there's any it. more of these old stories that are missing, I do not want to do them. Even well, <laughs> I, I don't want to do another slideshow. Okay. Well, we'll have to check. The ones that we have listed for the next stories, and uh, we'll take it from there. Yeah, we have um, too bad. Uh, fans of the show that are listening. If you know of any uh, 
that are on our list, please let us know. Because uh, I don't want I don't want to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, speaking of uh, fans we've, of the we've, show, we've Wheel in Space, The Invasion, Seeds of Death, and War Games are all the remaining Trout and Woods. So if any of those are missing, just uh, hit us up. Yeah. And then we'll remove them. <laughs> we'll just delete them from our memory. And Unless they're animated. Like, if they did an animated, oh. and I know they do that to some of them, Boy, I would did prefer I hate. that. Boy, did I, I hate that. I would prefer that, that to, to this blurry uh, slideshow. I don't know, man. I, I The slideshow was fine for me. You played at one and a half speed and put the subtitles on. You fly <laughs> through it. It's fine. Um, the animation for a multi-part with that animation, I was not a fan. So I don't know which I'd prefer. Power of the Daleks. Yeah, Power of the Daleks animation was something. Anyway, uh, speaking of our fans and telling us if we're if we're going to be running into another one of these slideshows, we did get a little bit of feedback about this story. So thank you guys for uh, replying to the tweets about it because I think we covered everything in this story that we really need to. So um, Phil B says that uh, (laughs) the Yeti are the cuddliest aliens of all. Um, I don't know why they need to be big, giant, hairy robots. Uh, but I appreciated it. I thought they were really cool looking. Yeah, I thought they were cool looking. I love their face. And I, ha- like, I the had big read, eyes like, in, the... yeah, I had read in the Abominable Snowmen that they were too cuddly and cute. And so they re- revamped them for this, uh, where, like, the eyes glow and maybe they didn't glow the first time to make them scarier. And even in, like, the promotions of this show, they were like, you've never seen these. This is not your daddy's Yeti. <laughs> and then they had, like, the, these are the, this is the hardcore gritty this is the uh, this, uh, the gritty reboot cut of the yeah of the Yetis. <laughs> well, you're right. They make a, a mention of it that it's like the Yeti Mark II, but they still seem pretty snuggly to me, and I I kind of like them anyway. Um, Hair of the Hound says uh, he watched the two halves of this as a film. Uh, if you watch the as as two th- two movies back to back, it'd be a great choice for Halloween. Um, and it was. I mean, the the mood setting, you know, with the all this, as we talked about, it was very, very Halloween-y. So yeah, like it was that a lot. good, uh, good uh, monster movie. Uh, and lastly, the World Enough in Time podcast says, uh, inextricably linked to the Target novelization for me. Wonderfully moody and atmospheric. Great sets and supporting characters. I'm a sucker for all the moving the Yeti around via the chessboard business. Uh, all this and Lethbridge Stewart as well. Classic Trout and Who. 100% agree with all of that. I like the characters, like the uh, the tight claustrophobic sets, the mood, and you got the brig, or soon to be the brig. And uh, I just like Troughton so much more. Every time we come back to him, uh, I realize he might be one of my favorite doctors. I really enjoy. He's what great he does. too, and also um, uh, Brigadier. Yeah, is so good. Like he's instantly him. Yeah, you right. know, it's like sometimes it takes like a character a little bit to work up to what they end up being, but I feel like from the moment. Well, in episode four, it's hard to give him, you know, it just sucks that episode three is missing and that's his first one. But it's like, he's him. He's, he's him. Yeah. It's just like such a testament to how, how good of an actor he is. It is it is interesting that he does start with this character and it, it is always this character the whole way through, although the character does grow. Um, you know, he has this different relationships with different doctors, as you see um, later, uh, which is also really great for a, a long-running character like the Brig. Um, but yeah, he does very much start... Yeah. Where so he, uh, yeah. hats off to Nicholas Courtney. Um, we also have a Jixter saying, uh, can I just say the first episode to feature the legendary Lethbridge uh, Stewart? And it all came about because Matt Smith left his lunchbox behind, allegedly. Do you know what that's in a reference to? I don't know. Is that something to do with uh, an, a new who where they reveal? Yeah. Didn't Must, they show yeah. something with the brigadier in the new I remember at one point he's a Cyberman, right? And then he flies away. Remember when you realize it's like, oh, that's the Brigadier. He's a Cyberman. He flies into the sky. I did not make that up. I'm you know more about New Ho than New Ho. But there's one episode. I don't even know if it's a – it may not be a, uh, a Matt Smith one. It may be um, – I can't think of the doctor. I can't recall the. I can't recall the brig turning into a Cyberman and flying away. Though I I mean, maybe it happened, but I don't. I don't remember. Is a Cyberman and he flies away, and it was after his death, obviously. So they don't have the actor, but it's supposed to be implied that it is the Brigadier. And I think someone salutes him. If you can find that for me, I would love it. And a tear. Yeah, but to his point about the missing lunchbox. 
I'm assuming there's something with that. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't we, know anything about Please fill us in because we're <laughs> being a couple of idiots here and I don't, I don't get it. But. Anyway, so there's that. If you guys want to get in touch with us, please uh, reach out to us on Twitter at uh, TODW Show on Twitter. Same on Facebook, uh, TODWS on no, T-O-D-W-S on Facebook, T-O-D-W show on um, Instagram as well, where we'll post the gifts. Um, I don't think we got any emails this week at all. but, no, but uh, self-addressed stamped envelope for stickers go to P.O. Box 2131, Red Bank, New Jersey, 07701. Uh, sweet, you've gotten sweet, your sweet sticker, sticker in the mail. Uh, I hope it arrived okay. And we'd love to so see a we picture got, we got of more, your sticker. So send, send in uh, your stuff. Uh, if you want to email us as well, you can send that to the old Doctor Who show at gmail.com. Um, you can also visit our site, uh, the old Doctor Who show.com. You can visit the episode pages where we have all of the gifts, not just the ones that we put on Twitter and Instagram, but all of them from each of the stories. You can leave comments on either the individual story pages uh, for other people to see later, or you can uh, leave us comments on the schedule page. If there's anything in there that you think we should definitely pay attention to, or uh, if, if there's any ones that we have coming up that have missing pieces in them, you can warn us there and let us no, that would be awesome. Yeah, well, I can let you know something else. We got an iTunes review. Wait, what? 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 Yeah, man. Do From it. From October 17th. Oh, my goodness. Jesus. Lay it man. on me. What did it say? It's called The One to Listen to. Ah. Five stars. Five star review. Uh, this comes from IJL Thankful. Uh, and I'm thankful uh, for your review, IJL. Uh, how long would it take an infinite number of monkeys to write a positive review of this podcast? So we got a nice review, <laughs> five-star review from an uh, infinite number of monkeys. So think- wherever you are uh, typing away uh, in your little rooms, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, I'm impressed by how well it, uh, the, the review reads. Uh, well, oh, uh, thanks, thanks, guys, for keeping it going. Yeah, well, yep. thank you again, IJL, uh, all of you. And, Eric, thank you for keeping it going because <laughs> – Sometimes when we have to sit through uh, stories that are slideshows, it's not the easiest thing in the world. So, Yeah, so if you want to be like IJL, you can leave a uh, review, and we will read it on air. We will do that. Um, what are we doing what, what are we doing for the, uh, the next story there? The Eric? next story, so after we've just done Troughton, next up is... We've got a, got a Pertwee? Pertwee, yeah. So we're, we're doing uh, the Damons. The Damon. The Damon. The Damon is his next on eleven twenty seven, the day after my birthday. So, uh, no. throwing that out there. My birthday's coming up. If you want, <laughs> just to, in case, uh, you know, wear a you hat know what Eric wants for his birthday? He wants he wants five star iTunes reviews for his birthday in the yeah. appropriate um, uh, online iTunes store of your choice. Now, I don't know anything really about the story of the Damons, but I did see one still that gets me very excited. It almost looks like a Clash of the Titans mm. type thing. Uh, so I don't know if it's like that or not, but it Men- looked like some kind of some kind of Damon uh, with horns and everything. So it's it, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to making uh, Matt Damon jokes the entire time, whether you like it or not. Yeah, you should know. It's going to be great. Um, not Matt Damon. Uh, who you should. You, uh, Wait, what? Damon Albar? What is Damon Albar? Damon Albar is the lead singer of uh, the uh, Blur. No? Uh, but what does that have to do with Matt Damon? It's the Damons. Oh, okay. It took me way too long <laughs> to figure out. I was like, this is what's... what everyone has to look forward to I'm, I gotta in three cut this out. weeks. <laughs> <laughs> My right. brain just We're shut good? down. I'm like, what? The Damons? We're yeah, good. the Matt Damons. I don't understand what Matt Damon has to do with Dr. Who. Mostly because my brain is still, I'm thinking you're talking about how we don't understand what the lunchbox has to do with Matt Smith. And I'm like, why is he saying Matt Damon? The Matt Smith Damon. Matt Smith. But you're not talking about what I'm thinking about at all. Nope. But we did it. It's fine. We nailed it. Everything's great. We got it. Everything's good. I was not recording, so thank God. No, I was. (laughs) All right, so that should be it. So we should say goodnight. Not like last time. Good night, everybody. Right, peace. Do we, do we quit? Well, look. See, there's an abominable snowman in the supermarket. And apparently the housewives have never seen anything like that before. Here the housewives complaining to the manager. Get that snow thing out of this store. Abominable snowman in the market. That's right, you heard me right, gang. And the housewives, they all remark, it looks like a dirty marshmallow with fangs. 
Well, there's a vulnerable snowman in the market. Now he's down by the peas and carrot. A vulnerable snowman in the market, and they cannot chase him away. What you say? Vulnerable snowman in the market. All right. Oh, vulnerable snowman in the market. Oh my. Snowman in the market, and the situation is great. Well, the housewives heard it confuse him, and I can't stand to see him treated this way. Well, there's a vulnerable snowman in the market, and I think he's a real nice guy. I like the snowman, I want to help him, but I don't want to see him hurt this way. Well, vulnerable snowman in the market, alright. Oh, well, there's a vulnerable snowman in the market. Vulnerable snowman man, and we have to say something that he can understand. That's right.